the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Skirt, welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. This is part two of our continuing series on toy cars, which we promise is uh, is it much more interesting and involved than a lot of people might assume. Let's give it up for the referee of our race, super producer, Mr. Max Williams. What? what? Also, couldn't we argue that this is actually part four? Because, you know, we we did two parts about uh, the toy cars in Japan, so... Oh, uh, yes? Yeah. This, this is kind of the thing... I, I kind of think it's more that uh, Zach got really into toy cars for a little bit. Our yeah. research associate, Dr. Z, yeah. We're nothing if not completists here on Ridiculous History. We do our best. Mm-hmm. And you're when Noel... When the spirit moves us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is, that's true. It is. And like, yes. you're Noel, and I am Ben, and today we are picking up on the rivalry we discussed on Tuesday, which we kind of teased in part one. Uh, Here's what you need to know. So there's Hot Wheels, and their big rival is the Lesney Corporation, uh, which is responsible for Matchbox cars. There's a really Mm -hmm. interesting story about how they came to be called Matchbox cars. Tune in for part one. Uh, We should also mention at the top another company that we we didn't didn't give airtime to earlier this week, and that is Johnny Lightning, which might be familiar to some of our uh, toy car enthusiasts, but it's a bit of a deep cut nowadays, I'd say. Yeah, I looked them up a little bit, and it does seem like they had a tie-in with Speed Racer, which was a really obviously popular cartoon, I believe, in the 60s, the early version, or it was called uh, Clutch Cargo, or that whole, well, there was Speed Racer and Clutch Cargo, but they had very similar animation styles. But uh, it seems like we were starting to get into the realm of, like, TV and and uh, and film tie-ins with these cars, um, but yeah, Johnny Lightning and Hot Wheels. 
We're kind of eating Matchbox's lunch. Matchbox being sort of the legacy, first-to-market um, toy car company that was really focused more on uh, accuracy in their, you know, tiny um, recreations of classic cars. Uh, and then, as we talked about in part one, Hot Wheels kind of entered the chat uh, and was less concerned with that, more into, like, little decals and, and creating cars that didn't exist, which proved to be the secret sauce because, you know, Kids are a lot less interested uh, as time goes on in period accurate recreations of Rolls Royces or Porsches or what have you. And a little more interested in like things that sort of test the boundaries of the imagination. Mm -hmm. You know, it reminds me of the evolution that Lego has undergone. And I'm a huge, huge Lego fan, as I believe Same. you are as well. And uh, it, a lot of Lego sets now are marketed toward adults. And I would argue oh, yeah. that a lot of die-cast models are also marketed toward adult nostalgia. But right now, in our story, it's, let's say it's kind of like the late 60s or so, and Lesney is in trouble. They're in kind of a tough spot because their sales are plummeting. Uh, they've got more competition in the market, you know, Hot Wheels, Johnny Lightning, etc. And then also over across the pond in the United Kingdom, there are more competitors coming into the fray. So Lesney responds pretty quickly. They release a new kind of line of cars they call the Super Fast line. They're called Super Fast because they have these very low friction wheels. They have some new vivid colors and Initially, collectors say it was kind of weird because the wheels were really narrow. They had to rework their die, their manufacturing processes to accommodate wide tires. Remember, they got into the game entirely because, <laughs> entirely because, no, keep it, uh, entirely because they were already a manufacturing force. For sure. And um, as we also mentioned in part one, Hot Wheels' whole claim to fame were those Hot Wheels, baby. They, 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 they moved really quickly. They used this leftover, what was it, wires from the failed uh, never-goes-out-of-tune guitar experiment that went awry. Um, and it allowed them to just have incredibly low friction for the wheels to turn incredibly fast. Not to mention their other hallmark was bright colors. So it seems that Matchbox is definitely trying to become a little bit more like Hot Wheels to, to keep up with the competition. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's a good observation. Matchbox continues expanding their line. They have the King Size and Speed King models. Those are cars and trucks in a larger scale. And then they tapped into the nostalgia that we foreshadowed mere minutes ago. They came out with the Matchbox models of yesteryear. Uh, this eventually all told became a series of 66 historic vehicles that were considered significant in some way. And it ended with that coronation coach that kicked off their biggest, I, I guess their their like biggest era of glory days. And we're getting a lot of this from bestride.com by Craig Fitzgerald. I think Craig would be a pal of ours. We haven't met, but a great article, Craig. I mean, it's, it makes sense, you know, stick with what you're good at. This is kind of what their whole deal was, was making these classic cars and having them look really accurate and having all the little parts die cast correctly to appeal to more of a collector's market. So while maybe kids might not have been snatching these up, they were pricier, they were much more designed, like you said, with Lego uh, for adults. 
So uh, from around 72 to 73, Hot Wheels kind of entered into a little bit of a sales decline of their own. In 73, specifically, uh, Mattel switched from their kind of brighter um, house style called Spectra Flame, trademark, which sounds awesome, uh, to something a little bit maybe more realistic, uh, a little bit more of like a solid kind of matte enamel color. Um, because these were not very popular, the ones that were designed from 72 to 73, and they weren't reused, these uh, cars from this era are particularly collectible. Mm -hmm. And in the 1970s, mid-1970s, let's say uh, Johnny Lightning is already on the way out. They go bust in 71. Matchbox is once again becoming a force in the world market because it's modernizing its line. And I want to pause here, by the way, Noel, and give a big shout out to all three of us. Uh, ridiculous historians, you know, you're part of the family, too. You deserve to be backstage both myself and Noel have continually struggled not to say, but what was it? Matchbook? Is that matchbook? Matchbook. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> well, they're they're both things. There's a matchbook and there's a matchbox. Right. They are real things. And I feel like the matchbook is more common. It is. Right. It's more common in the in the usage of, of matches to this day. Yeah, matchbox is for the discriminating voluminist. Voluminist is the fancy word for someone who collects matchboxes and matchbooks. So big shout out to my girlfriend, Brandy, uh, who taught me that word and uh, and knows way more about matches than uh, I, I dare say either any of us. Can I also point out something that maybe we didn't quite discuss? Um, the original matchbox cars, you know, in, in their first, you know, kind of mass marketed line, which, as we mentioned before, they weren't making them in insane numbers at first. Their packaging actually resembled matchboxes. You can even see, like, you know, the side where you would strike a match. It's sort of like a brown, kind of brownish uh, black color. It looks like to have some sort of fake grit on it. So they really were leaning into that whole matchbox thing. Yeah, and they were leaning into it pretty well, you know? Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. 
To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Okay, so Matchbox uh, is... uh, is amid a lot of different kind of corporate wars and initiatives. Right around the 1970s, Leslie begins to contact different collectors and they send Leslie reps to these meetings and events. They're doing market research, which is very smart because now they have people who have um, bought in to the idea of these die-cast cars and they want to figure out what their audience desires. And this leads them to introduce commercial vehicles in their Models of Yesteryear series. Obviously, a Model T, you got to start with that. Uh, They also have a Talbot. They also uh, put these period-accurate advertisements on these. Lipton Tea, Coca-Cola, you're transported back in time when you're playing with one of these vehicles. It's a pretty smart move, I think. Yeah, and there's a really cool article on a website that is uh, devoted to the history of die-cast miniature cars called tutomini.com.br. And in the article, uh, Matchbox History by Allison Barros, uh, there's some excellent images of what we're talking about, you know, including the original designs that uh, really do look a little bit kind of, you know, like old-timey and antiquated. And they sort of leaned back into their history with these Model Ts kind of sporting the classic Coca-Cola logo and Lipton's and all of that. So this whole product tie-in thing was really starting to kind of uh, hit the zeitgeist. And um, they were leaning into that pretty hard. And it was uh, it proved to be successful for them. 100% did. And they didn't stop there. They also started doing something that was fairly prescient. They would make bespoke limited edition models for different markets or in collaboration with different companies like Nestle or the famous department store Harrods. And these items were, again, because they were exclusive and they were limited, they were super desirable for both the companies that sponsored it and for, you know, civilian collectors. Imagine it's a cool flex, right? If you go to meet 
the corporate heads over at Harrods. And one of the things in the swag bag is the custom Harrods car toy. That's a flex. And I think it's pretty cool. They also Matchbox makes a lot of money from this. We That's like out. a department store, right? That yeah, Harrods still, still famous still, department still around store. Yeah. to this day in the mm-hmm. UK. I've been, it's huge. The one in London that I went to, huge. I've, huge, I've heard, huge. I've heard tell. I've never stepped foot in one of my stuff. I was, oh, oh, let me tell you, this is funny though. You'll like this. The only reason I was there is because my suitcase broke in London and I had to buy, <laughs> I had to buy a suitcase and I just asked someone, hey, do you know where I could buy a suitcase? And this guy literally pointed in the direction of Harrods and said, if they don't have it, London doesn't have it. <laughs> That's, that should be their tagline. Another prescient thing that uh, Lesney did was they, you know, they really were trying to modernize their whole operation. So um, a guy named David Ye came in and he renamed the company. He got rid of Lesney, renamed it Matchbox International Limited. And they actually decided to send their manufacturing overseas. You know, we always think of made in China and like, you know, outsourcing manufacturing for stuff like this and toys in particular to places like China and Japan. Uh, They actually started with Hong Kong uh, and Macau. Uh, But because there wasn't enough, you know, this was still stuff that required some amount of machining uh, skill, you know, or or, or fabricating skill. Um, They could not find a pool of uh, of skill skilled enough workers in those countries. So they decided to outsource um, their foundry operations to China. And this uh, created the very first toy company joint venture between Hong Kong and Shanghai. It was called Shanghai Universal Toys Co. Limited. So let's get back to Matchbox. They expand further and now they're all about merchandising. They realize that they have become what you would call nimble right? They can expand across different platforms. They've made their deals with companies. They've heard what the audience wants. So now they're getting into other kinds of toys, dolls, games, action figures. The cars also get increasingly complex as manufacturing processes improve. You know, you see cars that, um, have have mechanisms that the older cars didn't, like a lug on one of the wheels that can move parts like spinning fans or uh, things like moving engines. Pretty cool stuff. They also have military vehicles. That was the Battle Kings line. They have model ships, and I've seen some of those, and those are pretty cool. Uh, if you want to look at those, go over to the Autopian, T-H-E-A-U-T-O-P-I-A-N, theautopian.com, and check out the article, Matchbox Celebrates 70 Years of Making Tiny Cars with These Special Zinc Models by Mercedes Streeter. They're really well done, and if you are remotely into toy cars or know someone who is, this would be the fun part for you. And I got a little ahead of myself earlier when I was talking about you know, shipping the operations overseas because that came as a result of uh, some financial trouble that Matchbox or the Lesney, the Lesney Corporation was having because the UK, uh, economically speaking, was not doing well in the mid to late 70s. The Matchbox cars were selling just fine, but Lesney as a company was not doing well and they ultimately went bankrupt. Uh, and this is in the early 80s in 1982. So they actually sold their whole operation or, or most of their production line, some of their molds, other properties they had, two universal toys, and that gentleman, David Yeh. And that's when things start getting shipped overseas, uh, and that whole Shanghai operation starts kicking. Mm -hmm. And 
I want to stay on Tutomeni for a bit because I really like this source. Uh, it's it's comprehensive. It's a really cool website. They also explore how Hot Wheels had their own kind of ups and downs. During the 1980s, the Hot Ones wheels were introduced in 1981. They had painted hubs and they had thinner axles, all to, the thinner axles primarily to give them more speed. In 1983, they released another line, the Real Riders. And I love how dramatic their toy line names are. These were the first Hot Wheels toys with rubber tires and people liked them. People really liked them. But the problem was this is a business and they weren't making enough money. So mm -hmm. the line was halted in 1987 because it just costs so much to make those toys. And here we see um, kind of some drama in the uh, the big car industry, you know, the regular sized ones kind of bleeding in to problems with the uh, miniature car world. General Motors is about to release their new Corvette, but are experiencing some technical issues on the production line. Um, so the release of the Corvette is actually delayed. But Hot Wheels at this point was already designing the miniature version of it, and it actually ended up getting released before the GM car was officially released. Uh, this did not sit well with General Motors. You'd think they would have discussed this, but it maybe was an issue of production and they needed to get it out to recoup on, you know, the production costs. They were ready to go. Um, so General Motors actually, but then again, oh, they canceled their whole contract with Mattel for them to license, you know, because these, these kinds of recreations are licensed if they're having official branding and all of that. You'd think that somebody at, uh, at uh, the toy company would have realized this is a bad move. Big picture. Right. Yeah, exactly. And let's go back to Matchbox's exodus from the UK. The first batch of Matchbox vehicles made in China comes out in 1985. They're created in Macau, which is also famous for gambling. You could say Matchbox took a gamble, I suppose. And they do this for five years until 1990. And then between 1990 and 1992, they're produced under license by a different company, Yongtai Toys Company. And then they get bought by Tyco. And uh, might date myself a bit here, folks, but I remember Tyco Toys growing up as uh, the less expensive also ran uh, toys in the Lego aisle. They made oh, totally. a lot of stuff, but they also had the not quite Lego. A lot of dump trucks and things, right? Mm -hmm. A yeah. lot of military stuff mm -hmm. as well. Uh, maybe we talk about Tyco for a little bit. Absolutely. Tyco was based in New Jersey uh, in a little city called Mount Laurel. Um, they were uh, originally uh, focused on electric model trains, but as a lot of these companies ended up having to do, decided to pivot uh, to other offerings, um, which was really crucial in, in, in finding them finding success, you know, diversify which included their purchase of the Matchbox brand. Uh, but in 1997, Tyco Toys itself was acquired by, guess who? Mattel. Ah. <laughs> what Tangled a time. web. Yeah. What a time. And this means that Matchbox and Hot Wheels, who were once bitter rivals, are now in the same family together. Uh, and strange bedfellows, right? It happens all the time at the heights of the corporate world, which is why so many things that appear to be different brands in your local grocery store are in fact owned by the same parent company. Mattel does something pretty brutal 
pretty shark-like, they start to strip the brand of assets. They sell off the model kit division, and then they start downgrading the quality of the toys. These are known for being die-cast metal vehicles, and now they're being replaced by plastic models. And they're making these non-realistic vehicles that are generic brands so that they don't have to pay any kind of fee to a producer of a car. So they, they're, it's like in that awesome show 30 Rock where they have Janice Jorplin or whatever. Uh, because Jackie they, Jam Jorp. Yeah, Jackie, that's the one. Because they can't afford the rights to Janice Joplin's story. So these guys are cutting costs by making stuff that's kind of like, but not really, a copy of a genuine car. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel. Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, the collectors hate this, by the way. They are absolutely aghast. Mattel says, oh, no, we hear you. We're going to make a few special releases. And they only make a few, and they only go out to the United States. So this is not enough for the Matchbox collectors. No, but this is certainly probably one of the things that led to an uptick in the you know uh, value of classic Matchbox cars. Because I mean, they're you know obviously the original ones are going to retain their value no matter what. But this is a sea change for Matchbox, a dilution of the brand. Uh, they essentially bought it for the label and not for any of the actual you know quality or, or skill that went into making those cars and sort of the care and attention to detail. A hundred percent. We also see that the collector said, this Hot Wheels line, what's happening to Hot Wheels? It's a crying shame. They're inferior. They're less attractive. And if you know any serious collectors of anything, you know they have profound feelings about this sort of stuff. And they said, what if Mattel is going to do to Matchbox what they did to Hot Wheels. And Mattel says, look, everybody, <laughs> calm down. We hear you. Uh, these lines are going to produce their stuff independently. Matchbox is going to make more realistic vehicles. And the fantasy vehicles, the more anime stuff, that's going to always go to Hot Wheels. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, again, like focus on uh, what the brands individually were known for in the first place. But uh, as, you know, giant corporations are wont to do, uh, in 2003, Mattel essentially went back on their word here or, you know, did a little bit of pivoting of their own uh, and created an entire line of Matchbox uh, fantasy vehicles. That did not go over well once again. Uh, and they did not sell well. There was a backlash and the line was very quickly canceled uh, and pulled from shelves. Oh, and the name wasn't that great. We got to say the name. Uh, these fantasy vehicles were called Ultra Heroes. Which okay. Sounds kind of like lazy writing. It does. It does. I'm just being um, honest. Yeah, but then, you know, the, they, they got the message again again, Mattel, uh, and decided to stick to what they had said and bring Matchbox back to uh, their heyday of specifically, you know, producing realistic uh, and more highly detailed, um, you know, recreations of, of uh, classic cars. And as we move on, we see that Mattel has controlled both brands on the market, and they've tried to, you know, differentiate them so that they can still make money off either consumer preference. And there are people who are, consider themselves specifically Matchbox collectors, some who say, I'm solely a Hot Wheels person. And then there are a lot of people who like both of them or like particular cars from both lines. And then because it's collecting and because there's some kind of rivalry, there are people who get at each other you know sometimes uh, a fan of matchbox will look down their nose at a fan of hot wheels and they will have intense conversations about how one is the superior diecast toy car mm -hmm. weird hill it's a weird hill uh but you know they are passionate and i do respect passion 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, collectors are always going to, you know, have <laughs> certain uh, beefs about these sorts of things. Ben, there is another uh, player in this game that we kind of haven't talked about that I think both of us, being late 80, early 90s uh, kids, uh, Micro Machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Max and I were talking about this off air. I love the Micro Machine guy because the main thing is how quickly he talks, and it seems off the cuff, but I know it's carefully scripted and it's even faster than it is. <laughs> I do. Uh, it does kind of ring a bell. What I remember specifically, though, was uh, the way they were featured in um, Home Alone uh, in, mm. like, I believe, 1990. He used all of his uh, his Micro Machines uh, to create, like, a trap, one of those really um, sadistic traps, let's be honest, that that kid, who is definitely a little psychopath, lays for the wet bandits. Who are bad people. Don't get me wrong. But that kid is like, you know, Damien from The Omen. I mean, that is a, a troubled child. Who knew that the Culkin brothers would uh, make such a career out of portraying troubled children? Shout out to you, Roman Roy. Oh, did you watch the latest episode, Ben? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got it on in the background. I tune in and tune out to my favorite plot lines. Well, I mean, there's a Roman Roy moment in this mm -hmm. most recent, a penultimate episode of Succession that got me real good. How are they going to wrap what it a up? Performance. Oh, I think that it, it really feels like it's heading in a direction. I mean, it's very Shakespearean stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, good lord. You know, I, I think Macaulay's doing his thing, um, playing in the Pizza Underground. You know, I don't know if he's doing that anymore, but for a while he had a band mm -hmm. that played Velvet Underground uh, kind of parody songs with pizza fied lyrics. It wasn't very good, but I hope he's happy. He seems like he's kicking around. But man, Ro uh, Rory's Rory's a great actor, um, and yeah. Definitely, uh, Kieran is absolutely killing it in succession. But Micro Machines were, in fact, uh, the top-selling cars during the tail end of the 80s and into the beginning of the 90s. But then they kind of went away themselves and uh, left the old-school players to duke it out. Yeah, they were they were cheap. If you think, look at the per-unit cost, if you're a parent who wants to get your kid a toy, uh, but there are also a lot of them. And they're very collectible. And that meant that kids were asking their parents to buy them a lot of micro machines, not just one. The manufacturers knew it. Uh, you could fit hundreds of these into a toy box. And the I, I want to shout out the ads. John Moshita, uh, he is the, he at the time in the late 80s, very beginning of the 90s, he is the fastest talking man in the world. Congratulations <laughs> to, to yeah. you, John. Good guy. He could do all those like disclaimers at the end of like pharmaceutical ads today. That's maybe that's very funny. Yeah. Uh, but before the advent of of, of digital um, editing, where you could speed everything up, uh, but micro machines were also really really small. They were smaller than Matchbox cars or Hot Wheels. Uh, hence the you know using them as a death trap for the wet bandits. They also had play sets. They, there was uh, even a line, I never had these, but there was a line of micro machines that had smaller cars inside of them, like that uh, Decepticon in the Transformers toys, uh, who is a boom box, and mm -hmm. he's got a little bad guy inside of him that's a cassette tape. I always thought that was cool. By the way, the company that created uh, Micro Machines had the best name in the whole story, Galoob. I remember Galoob, and I remember Galoob because of Micro Machines. And another big galoob, I don't know why that sounds like 
weird soprano mobster lights. Yeah, but another big galoot. Another just big a one letter different. Another big galoob uh, was the infamous game genie. And video game hacks deserve an episode all their own. Perhaps oh, that's yeah. for a future tale. I never actually got it, but I always I subscribed to Nintendo Power for a while when I was a kid, and I remember that being a commercial on TV a lot, and they always had full page ads uh, in Nintendo Power. But I never actually messed with it. It was like a, a cartridge that you'd stick into the system, and then you'd stick the other cartridge into that cartridge. Yes. And it would hack the game or give you cheats and stuff. I'm sure that the game companies didn't care for it particularly. Well, the coolest part was it was also kind of uh, glitchy, so sometimes you would find yourself in weird, weird th- parts of the game that weren't supposed to happen. And the malfunctions were one of the most fun parts. Uh, Hasbro buys Galoob in 1998 and Galoob still exists today, but it's under the parent company Hasbro. And like we said, Hot Wheels then kind of regained its place uh, at the top of the market with Matchbox sort of just tucked in there, um, you know, for the collectors. But I think the the modern Matchbox cars don't have nearly the same cachet as the classic ones you know, to collectors out there. So that's kind of the story, man. That is the story. And if we want a moral... If moral there shall be, then the moral of this story is the following. I want everyone to hear this in all caps, italics, you know, Comic Sans font. Save your toys. Save your toys. You never know how much they're going to be worth or whatever. Uh, And more importantly, save them so that your kids uh, can play with them in the future. It's a truly cool thing. Thanks. Or pay for their college. Or pay for their college. Thanks, as always, to super producer Mr. Max Williams. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed this banging track. Thanks to our research associate, Dr. Zach. Can't wait to see what his toy car collection looks like. And you know what, Ben? Thanks to you as well. Uh, this has been an interesting ride on the uh, loop-de-loop um, course of the ridiculous history life. <laughs> and thanks to you, Noel. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. 
<laughs> people that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.